All right. <clears throat> Funny thing happened this week, actually yesterday, uh, as I was coming out of the house about 11 o'clock or so, getting ready to uh, go up to uh, Short Pump, do a little shopping, do whatever. As I walked uh, out of the house, uh, up against the, uh, the backdrop of my black car as I'm looking in the driveway, I see something unique. I see these white flecks falling from the sky. <clears throat> and I, my first initial thought is, should I run to the store and buy milk and bread? <laughs> but, my initial, but then my second initial thought was, the weather forecast did not call for this. <clears throat> but it was, you know, it didn't last but just a minute or two. But nevertheless, uh, thinking about how we often have great confidence in a weather forecast. But it isn't always right. As much as uh, the science is great, uh, we can count on a lot of times, but it's not 100% accurate 100% of the time. Thinking about that also, sometimes we, we <clears throat> go to a, we hear about a great restaurant. It's got a, you know, great rating. We know we're going to pay some money for it. We go in. We have confidence that when we go in, we're going to have a great meal. But then we sit down, and sometimes it's not the best meal. And so it didn't turn out the way we thought it should. Or maybe there's, when we were in school, some of you in school with the college or either in high school, uh, you're confident in a good grade. You know your material, and you've been in the classes long enough. You know your professor. You know how they give tests and exams, and then they give you the thing, and it didn't turn out like you thought it would because he changed it up on you or she changed it up on you at the last minute. Or sometimes we have confidence that when we go to the store, we are confident that surely the price of eggs has not gone up again. <laughs> but we know how that turns out, right? So while we may not be able to have solid, guaranteed confidence in the things of this world, here's what we want to understand today. That as believers in Jesus Christ, we can constantly, consistently, and completely have confidence in Jesus and because of Jesus. Amen? And so we're going to look here in just a minute in Psalm 16. So you can turn in your Bibles that or turn to your Bible app to Psalm 16. And we're going to see here as we look at this psalm that David has confidence in the Lord. He has confidence in the Lord. So we're going to look at that passage of Scripture and see how also we can have confidence in our great God, the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we'll look at Psalm 16, all 11 verses. So if you would, in honor and reverence to the Word of God, if you'd please stand as I read this passage for us today. The Bible says, Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, You are my Lord. I have no good, part, I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen from me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel in the night. Also, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad. My whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life in your presence. There is fullness of joy at your right hand. Our pleasures forevermore. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the truth of the word. 
and how we can count on it to be true and trustworthy because you are true and trustworthy. We thank you, Lord, that as we come to this passage of Scripture today that we look at that you are our confidence. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that we can place all of our trust in you completely. I pray, Father, if there are those here today who have never done that, who've never trusted you, that this would be the day of salvation. For those of us who have, Father, maybe there's some folks who are dealing with issues that they don't know how to place their trust in you right now. I pray that this would be the time, Lord, where they would have walking away, having confidence in you and who you are and all that you are about you. I pray, Lord, that you'd work in our hearts and lives. Lord, I pray that you'd take what you've given to me this week. I pray that you'd take it now and use it multiply it, speak into our hearts. And I pray, Lord, now that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, we're looking at this whole year, uh, as we're early in the year, but this whole year is fitness for the soul. And we want our souls to be fit. And so one of the first things we look at, the aspects of having a fit soul is to Help, that helps us to have a fit soul is to worship. And we want to worship Jesus. And today we're looking at Jesus, who is our confidence. And there are four points to today's message. And then there are two to-dos at the end. These are application points, the things that we can apply to our lives. I'll give you as we go, get ready to leave. So the first point is this, that Jesus is our confidence of delight. He is the confidence of delight. Our true delight, here's the thing, is that our true delight is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our true delight is in the Lord. Why Why does David say that the Lord is his delight? Well, here's what I see, because because he knows what we need to know, that the Lord is good. The Lord is good, amen? And so look at verses one and two again. He says, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, You are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. I have no good apart from you. You, O Lord, you are good. So how is that a delight? And here's how that's a delight. Because the Lord is always good. Amen. He is always good. We can know that he is all, we can trust him because he is always good. We can trust him and that he will always be good. And we can trust that he will always give us what is good. Right? So, Pastor, well, how do, I, how do I know that God is good? I mean, I, as a kid, is it because that we say this prayer when we get ready to have our blessing and at uh, lunch, God is great and God is good? Is that why we can, how we can know that God is good? Well, you know, that's okay. But over and over, we see in Scripture the goodness of God. In Psalm 34, verse 8, it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. We recognize Jesus said in Mark 10, verse 18, Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And in James 1, 17, we read every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Our God is good. And so we delight in his goodness. And in Psalm 16, we see the evidence of the goodness of God as, he deli- as David delights in him. And we see, first off, there's three subpoints here of this in the delight, in our confidence in delight, is that David delights in the goodness of the Lord's safety. He delights in the goodness of the Lord's safety. So he says there in verse 1, Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. He is confident of the refuge of the Lord. 
He says, preserve me, keep me, guard me, O God. So the word for God, he uses for God there is a word that indicates the power of God. He's all powerful God. He says, preserve me or keep me or guard me, O God. For in you, I take refuge. It's in you that I am safe. And so this idea of refuge is the idea of like a child that, that hides behind a parent. You all have seen that before, right? And they've done it in your, if you're a parent, your kids have done that to you. When you walk up to somebody and, and the child doesn't know that person and uh, that person speaks to your child and the child doesn't know them. So they wrap their arms around you and they get behind you. They're taking refuge in you, right? If you go to the doctor and the, the doctor's office and, and uh, the nurse comes in and the nurse has got a, 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 a needle in her hand for something that's going to take place, the child sees it and she wraps her arms or his arms around your legs and, uh-huh, this ain't happening, <laughs> takes refuge in you. And so David here is seeking refuge from the all-powerful God. He's, in his mind, the all-powerful God, all-powerful God is wrapping his arms around him. And so what is it that David is seeking refuge from? What is he, safe? he needs safety from what? Some plot, is it some plot against him or some unknown danger or some scheme of the enemy? We really don't know. But what we do know is that whatever it was, David was confident that he could trust the safety of the Lord. He was confident in him because he knew that his God, our God, is good. Amen. You say, well, well, David running behind, the idea of David running behind God, that sounds kind of wimpy to run behind the Lord. Well, well, I'm telling you, David was no wimp, by the way. Manliness is running to the Lord, trusting him completely. You know, in this world, when, when I see the world's wicked ways that seem to be adding up and, and being propped up and forced upon us in so many different ways, or the enemy uh, has a plot against us to discourage us or to be discontent. Let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to run to the Lord. Amen. I want to run to him and find refuge in him. Now, that doesn't mean that we're safe from, from difficult things happening in our lives, but it does mean that we can trust him. Listen now, we can trust him in the good and in the bad. Whatever happens to me, we know that has to go through him first. Indeed, there are painful times that will come, but he knows, the Lord knows what is best, and we can trust in him and delight in him and delight in his goodness because he is good. We can have confidence and delight in the goodness of God. We, he can, because he can be trusted and we are safe in him. There's a second subpoint to this about delighting in the goodness of, uh, that David finds, and he says that David delights in the goodness of the fellowship of the Lord's saints. When you look at verse 3, it says, As for the saints of the land, they are the excellent ones, in whom is all my delight. So David is delighting in the fellowship of God's people who are gathered together. David says the fellowship of saints is a good gift from the Lord. And so he delights being together with God's people. I mean, how wonderful it is in these trying times of uncertainty that we can gather together with other saints of God and be encouraged to keep pressing on. Amen. That's a good thing, isn't it? And so to be reminded by our brothers and sisters that God is who he says he is and that we can take refuge in him. So the delight is being with the saints. And he contrasts that in the next verse. Delight is being with the saints, not running after the things of this world. Those who do have their sorrows multiplied. Look what he says in verse 4. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their sorrows shall multiply. So their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. And so David delights in the goodness of the Lord. 
delighting in his safety and his refuge, but also the fellowship as God's people gather together when he is with those who belong to him. David also delights in the goodness. Third, third sub point is delights in the goodness of his satisfaction, of the Lord's satisfaction. Now look at verse five and six. This is really good now. He says, the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. He says, the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. Now, what does that mean? I mean, we don't talk like that. What does that mean? So it could be that as he thinks about portion, he's thinking about food. As he thinks about cup, he's thinking about drink. So maybe David is saying, you, you are what I choose for my nourishment to satisfy me. Maybe that's what he's saying. But he also says something else there. He says, you are my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. You hold my lot. All right. And you put all those together now. It seems to point back to when the land was divided with Joshua, when he divided the land between the 12 tribes of Israel. And if you remember, each tribe of Israel was given a portion by lot with clear lines. And you see, God allowed the casting of lots to determine his will for them. But of those tribes, there was one tribe that did not receive a portion. And that was the tribe of Levi. In Numbers chapter 18, verse 20, it says, And the Lord said to Aaron, you shall have no inheritance in their land, neither shall you have any portion among them. But watch this. The Lord says, I am your portion and your inheritance among the people of Israel. And so when you take that and you look at what David has said here, what David seems to be saying is, Lord, you are my chosen portion. Lord, you are my satisfaction. Lord, you are all I need. You are better than the most pleasant land. You are better than the prized inheritance of property. You, oh Lord, are my, are my satisfaction. You're better than anything I'll ever eat. You're better than anything I'll ever drink. You're better than any piece of ground that is below me. And you're better than any streams that flow. You're better than anything else in this. World. So David says, what I have found in you is the most pleasant and the most beautiful because this world has nothing to offer me that can satisfy me. Only you are my true satisfaction. And beloved, as believers, we can say the same thing, right? When we talk about the Lord, we can say the same thing. We know it's true. And we see it in the scriptures. In Psalm 73, verse 25, it says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. Matthew 5, 6, Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And Jesus said in John 6, verse 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus is our satisfaction. Amen. So when we think about fitness for the soul, beloved, hear me this morning. The soul is never satisfied apart from Jesus Christ. The soul is never satisfied 
apart from Jesus Christ. There's always that empty vacuum in our hearts and our lives. And so what we'll do is we'll try to find satisfaction in a lot of other ways. But beloved, I'm here to tell you that we are not satisfied with the things this world offers. We're not satisfied with that extra money that we have, if you ever have any. Because I'm telling you, when you have extra money, it's never enough. Amen? We think we're going to be satisfied with that new video game, but I'm telling you, we're not satisfied with the updated video game because another one's coming out pretty soon. And you're going to want that one too. Come on now, right? We're not satisfied with that new car either. You know, the funny thing is, as I was driving around a little bit yesterday, it just dawned on me, you know, with every dealership, every new car dealership I've ever seen, every single one of them has a service center attached to it. Every one of them. You know what that means? Your car is going to break down at some point. Right? And so that new car is going to lose its appeal at some point. You see, just like a kid is never satisfied with a new toy forever, it's not long before we're no longer satisfied either. But what we need to understand today is that as believers in Jesus Christ, we know, according to the word of God and to what we have experienced in our own hearts and lives as believers, is that Jesus truly satisfies. That his grace satisfies. That his glory satisfies. That his word satisfies. That the intimate fellowship with him satisfies. His presence satisfies. His peace satisfies. His assurance satisfies. His hope satisfies. He satisfies. And he satisfies completely. And he satisfies completely now. And he satisfies, satisfies completely forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Amen. He is the one who satisfies. And so we're to worship Jesus, who is our confidence of delight. We delight in the goodness of his safety, that he's our refuge. We delight in the goodness of the fellowship of the saints. And we delight in the goodness of his satisfaction that he does satisfy. So he is our confidence of delight, of goodness. But also we see that he's our confidence, secondly, in direction. He's our confidence in direction. Verse seven and eight. He says, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand and I shall not be shaken. You see, David, what we need to see here is that David was confident in the direction of the Lord. When the Lord gave, as the Lord gave direction, he was confident in him. He knew that the Lord would give him direction. He sought the Lord over and over again for direction, and the Lord was faithful to give him guidance, guidance in his will, guidance in his way, guidance in his word, guidance away from the wicked. And so there's a, so there's a couple of things I want us to understand about the confidence in direction. Here's the first one. As we think about that the Lord, we can be confident in his giving direction is this. Number one, the Lord always gives the right direction. Y'all with me? The Lord always gives the right direction. You can be confident of the Lord's direction to be right. We, listen, we want and we need right directions. I mean, how many times have we been following the, the direction of GPS and it tries to send you on a road that's really a cow pasture? Y'all been there? 
Just a few months ago, we were going to Christopher's new place, and, and uh, uh, we had not figured out all the right roads we were supposed to turn on, and so we punched into our GPS, you know, getting to their house, and we were getting close there. But as we turned off one road and then to another road, I told Angie, I said, this is not right. This is not right. And sure enough, the asphalt road turned into a dirt road. Fortunately, we still had enough signal that I could call him and say, Christopher, I have no idea where I'm at. And he said, well, I know what you've done. He said, he told me how to get out of there. And, you know, and what should have taken a shorter amount of time from where we were, it took a whole lot longer because that old GPS. <laughs> you know, the GPS is great. It's great. But here's the thing. It's not 100% accurate. But I'm here to tell you this morning, the Lord is always 100% accurate. Amen? Amen? He is always perfect. You see, friends may steer you in the wrong direction. Family may steer you in the wrong direction. The GPS may steer you in the wrong direction. And the world will steer you in the wrong direction. But the Lord never steers you in the wrong direction. And you know how I know that? Because he is God and he knows it all. And so his counsel, his direction is always right and it's always good. It's always right and always. His counsel is always right and always good. How often is it? Always. Always right. Always good. Psalm 147.5 says, Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. Romans eleven thirty three says, oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. And Isaiah 9, 6, the prophet is, is pointed to Jesus as he says, for to us, a, a child is born to, to, and to us, a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. You see, friends, Jesus is the Wonderful Counselor. He always gives the right direction. It's never against his word. It's always best. It's always for his glory. So we are confident in Jesus in his direction, that he always gives the right direction. So that's the first thing. Here's the second thing about being confident in direction is this, is that we must seek his direction and follow him. We must seek his direction and follow him. David sought the Lord's counsel. He wanted to know the right guidance. He wanted to know the right direction. He sought the Lord. The Lord answered, and he followed him. We need to follow the directions. You know, sometimes if you buy a piece of furniture, if you buy a chair, uh, sometimes, in, or, or desk or something you want for your kids, or, or there's a nightstand you want together, and, and you see it at the store, and you look at it, and it's about this tall, about this wide, about this deep, and then you the, ask them if you want to buy that, and they bring you a box. In the box about this flat. You, you know what I'm talking about? And you take that puppy home and you take it in the house. You pull out all the parts and all the pieces and the directions. And you look at that and you think, I don't need no directions. I got this. And you throw it to the side. And in, in the end, you may have some pieces and parts left over. But the truth of the matter is, is that if you don't follow those directions... Something's going to happen. It's likely not going to hold up. It's going to fail because it's not sturdy. Beloved, what I want you to understand today is this. The direction of the world is never sturdy. The direction of the world is never stable. It's not going to hold up. It leads to failure. It leads to destruction. 
And so David says, look what he says here in verse 8. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he's at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. He said, look, as I seek him, as I seek his counsel, as I seek his direction, he is always before me. Even in the night, I know his direction. I've set him before me. I am, so what he says, I'm keeping my eyes on him. I want to know his plan. I want to know his, have his guidance. I want to know his way, his will. I want to know his direction. I want to follow him. And as I do, I shall not be shaken. I shall not be shaken. Man, I love that, right? Here's what we need to remember. The direction of the Lord is solid. The direction of the Lord is secure. The direction of the Lord is right. It's stable. It is certain. Jesus said it this way when he said in Matthew 7, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them would be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew, beat on that house, but it did not fall. Why? Because it had been founded on the rock. Verse 26, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them would be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Beloved, too often we are building our lives on sand instead of trusting the guidance of the Lord and His direction. We want to do what everybody else is doing. But when we do that, we're building our lives on sand, not on the Lord. You see, with the wisdom this world offers, nothing is secure or solid. It's like building your house on the sand. But the Lord gives direction, and it is always right. And so as we follow him, as we follow his wisdom, as we follow his word, as we follow his will, as we follow his way and his direction, listen, friends, we will not be shaken when the storms come and the winds blow. When we follow him and his direction, we will not be shaken when our mind begins to run wild at night. When, when we follow him and his direction, uh, we will not be shaken when the what if begins to hound us. But know this, that those times will come in our lives. Those times when the winds will blow in our lives, the storms will come in our lives, when the mind will run wild at night and when the what if begins to hound us. But when those things do, let us come back to this. The Lord's word is true. The Lord has called me to this or the Lord has said this or his word has directed me here. And beloved, we can rest in that confidence. Amen. Be confident in his direction. Jesus is our confidence and direction. You can always trust his word, always trust his will, his wisdom, his direction. So he is our confidence of delight. He's our confidence and direction. He's our confidence, thirdly, every day. He's our confidence every day. Y'all with me this morning? Jesus is our confidence every day. So look what David says there, verse 8 and 9, again, again back to 8. He says, I have set the Lord always before me because he's at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad. My whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. Verse 11, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So David is saying, look, my confidence is in the Lord. 
And he's saying, he's my delight in safety. He's my delight in the worship, uh, the fellowship of his, with his saints. He's my delight as he is my satisfaction. He's my delight because he's the one who directs me. And as I have this confidence in him always, he is near me now and always. And I am confident in him every day. He said, my heart is glad. My whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. Or that could mean my flesh also dwells secure in hope. I have this hope. David, you see, friends, listen. David's life was anchored in the Lord. And he was saying, I am secure in him every day. I trust him with all that I am, body and soul. The Lord had made known to him the path of life, it says in verse 11. Meaning he realized that real life is found in the Lord. That in the Lord's presence, there is fullness of joy. That in the Lord's presence, at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. And we can have this same confidence every day, even though the storms come, even though there are painful times, even though there's difficulties. We can have this same confidence every day because we not only have hope, we have a living hope. We have a living hope in Jesus. Listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter 1, verses 3 and 4. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a what? A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You see, friends, we now as believers, we have new life in Jesus. We are secure in him today. We're secure in him tomorrow. We're secure in him the next day and the next day and the next day and forever because we have a hope that is alive. Amen. We have confidence in him. Why? Because he is the risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So that brings us to our final point, that Jesus is our confidence of delight, that he's our confidence in direction, that he's our confidence every day. But also, fourthly, we see he's our confidence in death. You know, death is one of those things that's just out there somewhere. We know we're going to face it at some point. We're hoping for the rapture beforehand, but we're not sure what's going to take place. So there's the unknown of what's going to happen before we die and how we're going to die and all those kinds of things. And then what's going to happen? What is the, what is the somewhat of an anxiety of like, what really happens when you close your eyes in death? What takes place? But look at what David says here. He says, for you will not abandon my soul in Sheol or the grave or Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. So what David was saying is, look, even in all of my life, every day, my confidence in you is in you, Lord. But even in my death, I am confident in you that I would never be abandoned by you in life or in death. But also know this, that as David penned these words, he is looking forward to what is yet to come. So David is confident even in his own death but as he writes these words, the Holy Spirit is inspiring him to write these words, which point to how we also can be confident in our death as well. You see, we say, well, so what are you talking about, Pastor? Well, when you look at Acts chapter 2, we preached through Acts last year. But if you go back to Acts chapter 2, we see that Peter 
when at Pentecost, he was preaching there at Pentecost, and he quotes these very verses, the last verses here, verse 16, of chapter 16 here, verses 8 through 11, I believe. And then he says this in Acts 2, verses 31 and 32. He says, he, meaning David, David foresaw and he spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he, Jesus, was not abandoned to Hades, nor did Jesus's flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses, Peter says. So, beloved, what we understand here is that because of who Jesus is, And because of what he did on the cross where he took the penalty that we deserved and he died in our place on the cross, he was buried in a borrowed tomb and then he rose again on the third day because of what he did there where he rose bodily from the grave, we have confidence even in death. You see, that means that because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, friends, we do not need to worry about death. We can have confidence even in our death. That means that death has no longer a sting, that death has no longer a hold on us, and that death is not the end. Amen? So Psalm 16 points us to Jesus and our confidence even in dying and death. The resur- Listen, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it makes all the difference in the world. Amen. Makes all the difference. We know that we will live on in heaven. We close our eyes in death. We will open them in glory. And we will be with the Lord where there is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. It is a solid guarantee for the believer in Jesus Christ that one day we will be with Jesus in heaven. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 5 and 8 says that he, who's, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. As a believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit lives within you. It is your guarantee. And so, verse 6, so we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. You see, it is the resurrection of Jesus Christ that makes the difference. So you might be here today and you say, well, I hear what you're saying, Pastor, but... You say, I can have confidence in Jesus. I want to delight in him. I want to delight in his goodness. How can I I have the confidence in delighting in the goodness of his safety? How can I delight in the goodness of of fellowshipping with the saints and and the goodness of being satisfied by him? How can I have confidence in him? How can I be confident in his direction? How how do I know that I can be confident every single day as I place my trust in him? How can I be confident even as, as death approaches? How can I be confident in him? And the answer is right here. It's because of the resurrection of Jesus. Because he rose bodily from the grave. We know he is who he says he is. And we have hope. Amen? Amen. So let us worship Jesus. Because he is our confidence. He is our confidence of delight and direction and every day and even in death. And so now there's two points. To, to, these to-dos, these are the application points, all right? So the first one is this, commit yourself to the Lord. So you hear that he is our satisfaction. We see that in the word of God. We know that he is our satisfaction. So commit yourself to the Lord. You can be confident in who he is, so commit to him because our souls are only satisfied in Jesus. 
a simple thing where you turn from sin, turning to Jesus in repentance, trusting him by faith that he is the son of God who died for us on the cross, who rose again bodily from the grave, committing your life to him, trusting him by faith. So commit yourself to the Lord. That's the first to do. Here's the second one, all right? So if you've never trusted Jesus, committed yourself to him, commit yourself to the Lord. If you've already done that, once you've done that, secondly is this, live in his confidence. Live in his confidence. As believers, we don't need to be living, wringing our hands and worry all the time about things. Live in his confidence. So I'm going to give you some homework this week. This is with this fitness for the soul, right? So you got to, you know, exercise a little bit. So I'm going to give you an exercise where you don't even have to get out to bed yet. So here's the exercise for you, fitness for the soul. As you wake up in the morning, every morning this week, before you kick that leg under the covers out and you get out of the bed, say, Lord, today I trust you. Lord, today I'm confident in you. Say it every day. Fitness for the soul. And here's a second part to that of living in his confidence. As you're in the word of God this week, and I'm trusting that you're in the word of God, growing in the knowledge of who he is. But as you read through the word of God, look for those places, watch for those places in the word of God that reveal that he is a God who can be trusted. The God who you can have confidence in. Underline those, circle those, or highlight those places this week. Y'all with me? Amen? Great. So no matter what you are facing or will face, beloved, hear me, trust Jesus. He is good. He is right. He is sure. He is our joy. He is our hope. He is our confidence. This week, and looking through some of the commentaries, I, I came across a story. I don't know if it's a true story or not, but it's a good story, so I'm going to share it with you. But this, the story is told of King George VI of England, a born-again believer who, who, before his accession to the throne, he used to visit a small brethren assembly in London, and he enjoyed weekly Bible readings. But then after he became king, he had to discontinue that, of course, but he still remained a devout believer in Jesus. Well, in the course of his duties, he was invited to British Columbia in Canada. And there the officials thought he might like to meet a native-born Indian chief. The Indian chief's name was Chief Whitefeather. And so as he was chosen, he was asked, Chief Whitefeather was, was asked to sing something for the king. Well, the, the authorities, the officials assumed that Chief Whitefeather would sing a native song. But instead, the chief, who was also a believer in Jesus, when the king arrived, when he began to sing, when the chief began to sing, the chief began to sing these words. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or land I'd rather be led by his nail pierced hand than to be the king of a vast domain or be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today.
You can imagine everybody was watching to see what the king would do. How is he going to respond? But the king went over. He took the chief by the hand and he said these words to the chief. I'd rather have Jesus too. The question for you today, friends, is would you? Would you rather have Jesus than anything this world affords? Would you rather have Jesus more than anything this world says will satisfy you? Would you rather have Jesus today and every day? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, may you speak through our hearts. I pray, Father, that that is that each one of us could answer yes. I'd rather have Jesus than possessions or money or power or anything this world throws at us. We'd rather have Jesus. Father, I pray that for those who may not know you as Lord and Savior, this will be the hour of salvation. I pray, Father, that you'd be with those who are your believers already, that maybe they're dealing with family members or, or friends who don't have confidence in Jesus and they want to pray with a pastor or pray silently, just asking, Lord, Lord, help them to come to know you as Lord and Savior, to have confidence, to know that satisfaction, they're trying to find satisfaction in other places, but Lord, you know that they can only find satisfaction in you. So maybe, Father, you're dealing with folks who have family members or friends who are trying to find hope in the world around them but are still empty and they need Jesus. Maybe, Father, today there are those of us who are here today and we've been struggling with an issue or struggling with a matter and worried about this and worried about that and we fail to have confidence in you. Lord, may this be a time of recommitment, a rededication, a remembering that our trust can be and is in you always because our confidence is the one who lives now and forever, Jesus Christ. Lord, as we come to this invitation, may you be with those who are struggling with decisions of going to school or, or going to answer a call to ministry and asking a lot of questions, how can I do this? But yet the call is clear. Father, let us yield to you as we're confident in Jesus. Lord, I pray that you'd have your way in us as we come to this moment of decision. And I pray that as we sing that very song, I'd rather have Jesus. Lord, may you draw us to a place of commitment to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand. We're going to sing that song. And you come as God's devil.